0: one sixteen read it out loud for us. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me, the pangs of Sheol laid hold on me, I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, He saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call in the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. I don't know if any of you guys have had a close shave with death. Uh, yeah. Tell tell us about it. One <laughs> time I almost choked on steak. So... <laughs> but like I like literally was not breathing. But we had a PMT over for dinner that night, so she wow. actually like, put the time on me. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> not a very great story, but it was really scary. <laughs> that must have been scary. What was going through your mind? Well, what was going through your mind after you were saved? Uh, thank God Angelo was here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a not coincidence, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like ran up to the fridge to get water because that's what my 12-year-old self thought would be the best thing for wow. me. And you know, Angela was like, come here. so she was like doing the Heimlich and it didn't work the first time. I was like, I'm going to die. Oh my gosh, I'm going to see Jesus. Goodbye world. But then it came out. So. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, it's a great story. Yeah, I think ours. I probably you guys probably heard of our story when we spun out of the highway because of black ice. That's probably the closest we ever came to it. It's like a, and then uh, and then afterward, like it just that relief. Like you think you might die, and then uh, and then you don't, and it's just that relief, overwhelming sense of relief. And then, uh, and then not not much else matters. Matters at that point, you know. Like I don't care that my car's totaled. You know, like my family's okay. You know, like it's like a, um, it's like so. The psalmist is like it, that kind of context. Uh, it's because the psalmist has just had a very close shave with death. Hey, John. Uh, Where's Psalm One Sixteen? Yeah. Your shirt still looks new. How's that possible? You <laughs> special occasions you don't wear it enough <laughs> you wear yours too much <laughs> I sleep in my mind <laughs> um, and uh, so the psalmist has had a close shape with that uh, and he's experiencing this uh, sense of relief and he's remembering how God delivered him in, in, in verses 12 verses uh, 1 to 11 and then in verses 12 to 19 which is kind of the second half he's speaking about rendering to God the vows he made uh, when he was in trouble Uh, so remembering God's deliverance and then rendering his vows to the Lord Uh, so in the first part, verses 1 to 11 is about remembering God's deliverance deliverance, and it begins this way in verse 1 I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy and this, we see this over and over again throughout Scripture. right? God doesn't hear us because we love and serve him Uh, we love and serve him because he hears us because he loves us Uh, because he has shown his mercy we love him because he first loved us and so the key to greater love for God always is remembering God's deliverance Uh, say if we don't love God if we don't feel zeal for him if we feel lukewarm in our affections if we feel ourselves getting bigger and bigger in our lives and we're having less of God in our lives we need to remember God's deliverance Uh, and this section uh, has a roughly uh, chiastic structure uh, that's a mirroring symmetrical structure And uh, so you can see that clearly in verses 2 to 9. So verse 2 says, I will call on him as long as I live. And that mirrors verse 9. It says, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. And then verses 3 to 4, which recall how the psalmist cried out to the Lord, deliver my soul uh, from the suffering and threat of death. Uh, That mirrors verses 7 to 8 which say, you have delivered my soul from death. So just similar concepts, ideas, and mirroring. Uh, and not all of us have experienced close shave with death, but uh, all of us as Christians have experienced uh, God's rescue uh, from the spiritual death that the Bible describes, right, over and over again, right? Ephesians 2.5 says that we were all once dead in our trespasses but made alive together with Christ. So we're people who, by definition, have passed from death to life. And it was more than just a close shape, right? We were actually dead in our trespasses and sins. Uh, But Christ uh, delivered us while we were rotten to the core, spiritually speaking, uh, corpses. Uh, Christ delivered us from death by dying on the cross for our sins uh, in our place so that we might be redeemed. Uh, We might be counted as righteous. And the logic of Psalm 116 is that those who have been delivered by God from death should live for God in life. Right? Uh, and We owe Him our lives. We live because of Him, so we should live for Him. And the spiritual life we experience here and now uh, because of Jesus Christ, like the eternal resurrection life that we will have in the future, are to be lived in worship of God. Our life is to be life of worship. Uh, and what God has done for us is all the more amazing when we remember who God is and who we are. And that's what verse 5 6 are getting at verse 5 is an affirmation of who god is and verse 6 is a statement of our relative unworthiness before god verse 5 says gracious is the lord and righteous our god is merciful in contrast verse 6 says we are simple uh, we were bright brought low but because god is gracious and merciful he saved us um, and this is in stark contrast to our human friends and allies. He says in verses 10 to 11, the psalmist says, I believed, even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. So he's saying, even when I was crying out to God, I am greatly afflicted. He believed in the Lord. Uh, and he's saying, I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. So, and so this is uh, the first part of that in verse 10 is cited in Paul's letter to, the second, to second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 to 14 where he says that in spite of the affliction that we experience as Christians, suffering that we experience in life, we believe, he says, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. So even in the midst of great affliction, like the psalmist is going through, even when our experience in current our present life is just suffering uh, and tribulation, we can still persist in faith in God's ultimate deliverance uh, so when the psalmist was in desperate need No man came to his aid uh, Their promise of friendship and loyalty Proved empty So he declared all mankind are liars uh, But God he is true God he is faithful Gracious is the Lord and righteous And God is merciful It's similar to kind of what Paul writes about in uh, Toward the end of his life uh, In 2 Timothy chapter 4 Verses 16 to 18 He says at my first defense This is his trial in Rome at my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. So this is a really uh, wonderful promise. Our best friends might betray us. Right? Our fathers and mothers might reject us. Uh, our spouses might leave us, but God is faithful and true. All mankind are liars, but the Lord, he is gracious and true. Uh, and, so, and, and so we can cry out like the psalmist, I believe, uh, even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. And because of God's unchanging character, that's why we can have unwavering faith, uh, even in the face of death, both physical death and spiritual death. Uh, uh, Even when we experience tragedy, tragedies, defeats in our lives, we can have faith. I believe even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. And after remembering God's deliverance, in verses 12 to 19, the psalmist speaks of rendering his vows to the Lord in worship. And he begins with the rhetorical question, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I love that it's phrased as a rhetorical question because it kind of conveys that sense of there's nothing I can do. Like, there's nothing I can do to repay, to render enough up to God for what he has done for me, for all the benefits that I've enjoyed. What shall we render to the Lord? Um, yet even though we can't repay, we have to respond somehow because we can't help ourselves. Uh, so the psalmist answers the question himself in verses 13 to 19. And that too is structured symmetrically like the first section. So verse 13, he speaks of lifting up the cup of salvation and calling upon the name of the Lord. And then that matches verse 17, which speaks of offering the sacrifice of thanksgiving and calling upon the name of the Lord. So this is picture of worship at the temple. Uh, lifting up the cup is a libation offering, wine offering. Uh, offering the sacrifice is probably an animal sacrifice, thanksgiving. Uh, and then verses 14 and 18 are exactly the same. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people so the first section dealt with what God has done and this section is dealing with how we should respond uh, we have to pay our vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people a vow is a volunt- voluntary but uh, a binding agreement uh, we enter into it voluntarily but once we've made it it's binding uh, and, and so believer in the situation the psalmist has said to the Lord Lord if you deliver me from this threat I vow to do such and such for your glory right? and so by entrusting himself to God's deliverance the psalmist has put certain obligations upon himself as a worshiper of God uh, and this is explained further in verse 15 to 16 uh, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints that's verse 15 so this is sometimes misunderstood by people it doesn't mean that God is pleased by or eager for the deaths of his saints like, come on more people just, just come die for me you know, it's like a, that's not what this is talking about The word precious is used most often throughout scripture to refer to precious stones. And the word means rare, uh, costly, weighty. So it's the exact opposite of what pagans in the ancient world frequently said. And what they said was, whom the gods love die young. Because they want these people to be with them Because they love them So they make them die out. So that's what the pagans said But this is the exact opposite of that The psalmist is saying That the death of one of his people Is not something that God brings about flippantly right? It's rather something that's weighty to him It's, it's serious to him It's significant to him And costly to him uh, We are valuable to him Is what he's saying uh, and, and that's why he saves us Verse 16 O Lord, I am your servant I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. Uh, so in the, in the, uh, the bonds in, uh, referred to here is probably the same snare of death mentioned in verse 3. So God loosed him from the bonds of death. Uh, and, and, and by crying out to him for salvation, by crying out to God that he would free us from the bondage of death, we have put ourselves under a certain obligation. We become his servants. be, uh, well, Or rather, because we are his servants, God responds to free us because we are his people. And, and in, according to Exodus 21, verse 4, the children of slaves belong to the master. Uh, and so this is referring to that concept. As heirs of the servants of God, the slaves of God, we too belong to God. We are the chosen people, his elect. Uh, we are his servants. And for that reason, because of our relationship to him, we're valuable to him. And so God intervenes to free us from death. Uh, And so that we might be free to serve him. Um, What Paul talks about in Romans 6. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. So we are slaves of God. According to this passage, Uh, we were bought with a price. And as the property of God, we are to practice absolute obedience, total submission, and exclusive preoccupation with His purposes and priorities. Sometimes we are uncomfortable with that kind of language, but that's the reality, right? So, as Christians, brothers and sisters, then we have to ask ourselves, right, are you preoccupied with pleasing your master? Is that what consumes you? Or are we merely pleasing ourselves with our lives? Because nothing else lost our bonds. It was the Lord God who loosed our bonds. God loosed our bonds. God purchased us with the blood of Christ, and so we belong to him. And those who have been delivered by God from death should live for God in life. That's really the main point of this psalm. Let's respond to that with the song.